What is going on, fellow streamers? Welcome back to another episode of Streamer Season, the exclusive streaming platform TV and movie podcast on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. It's KB and Dylan coming at you from Underground Studios. We have a loaded episode to dive into tonight uh, and in the morning when you guys are listening on the podcast feed version. Uh, but we're going to dive into episode four of the Book of Boba Fett. Peacemakers here. So we're going to be talking about the first three episodes of Peacemaker, and we're going to be talking each episode as they roll out, obviously, the following week, because I believe those episodes are releasing on Thursdays. Yes, so every Thursday. We'll have to. those to talk about the following Wednesday and kind of predictions of where the show is going to lead to. We're gonna get in. We're gonna get into this Moon Knight trailer as well because I don't know about everybody listening at home. Dylan and I are stoked for Moon Knight. Yes, can't wait. Uh, and then we'll get into our uh, typical streaming platform multiverse news and notes around the streaming platform multiverse. But before we get started, big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. The homies over at Tomahawk Shades. The best small batch eyewear in the game. You guys can go to TomahawkShades.com. Use promo code USP at checkout on the sunglasses, the blue light glasses, hoodies, shirts, hats. You name it, they got it, Dylan. Tomahawk Snow goes live in a couple days. They, they're going to have like the ski goggles. They're going to have ski uh, sunglasses. They've already started teasing some on the Tomahawk Athletic Club tab on their website. Very fun stuff. Looks like President Pump's Alley. Uh, of sunglasses for those at home who know <laughs> President who President Pump, Pump is. Uh, but TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP at checkout for 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com. Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. Get the Surfside Iced Teas at StatesideVodka.com. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And the boys over at Kenwood Beer. Go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker to see who has Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. It is Dylan's drink of choice when he's watching Peacemaker. So go right. get yourself some Kenny's. You got to be 21 or older to do so. And of course, please drink responsibly. And we have a new partner on board, Dylan Bino Boards. When you're not watching your favorite shows and movies, taking a little break, resting the eyes a little bit, go to BinoBoards.com. Use our link that'll be linked in the description of this podcast and help support the show. Bino Boards, very fun. It's like a, a tabletop hybrid foosball type situation looks like a lot of fun brand new partner on board with underground sports philadelphia uh so go to binoboards.com now use our link linked in the description at binoboards.com dylan let's get into it because we obviously have a loaded show and it is time for the episode four review of the book of boba fett this episode, you and I both said it before we started recording, felt kind of fillerish in a sense of filling plot points that were in a gray area of the Mandalorian, which we're also going to get into as this episode progresses. But I don't think it was a bad episode. I think it was more so that fun, like in a movie sense comparison, I'd say this was like the Age of Ultron episode uh, in terms of like the Avengers, where it's the build-up episode to where we're going to get, we think, in these next three episodes that we're going to have in this season of The Book of Boba Fett. Lots of fun aspects in this, and like we said, kind of a filler in terms of like season two of The Mandalorian. Yeah, I agree. I had to move my computer there. The The fridge in, my, in, in the basement was <laughs> making a weird sound, so <laughs> I, don't want, I didn't want it to be super close. You the back-to-tank fridge. 
Yeah, it, uh, honestly, it does kind of sound like that. Uh, so if you hear noise in the background, it's just, it's just my back to tank. <laughs> no big deal. Dylan's uh, recovering uh, from a long day at work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, no. Kyle pretty much summed up my thoughts exactly. The episode wasn't terrible. Uh, it just kind of felt fillery. It's just it, it's insane plot building. It literally filled in the gaps of how our two main protagonists came to be. And then it does a little more building on what's happening currently and then ends. Um, Which we'll obviously talk more about it, but like I, I'm being very simplistic, but that, that literally <laughs> is the episode. So. Yeah. So uh, we, we kick things off with flashback scenarios uh, with Boba in the back to tank. And uh, we get Boba wandering the deserts of Tatooine on the Bantha, uh, on the back of the Bantha, like a Bantha. Well, Bantha's, Bantha's kind of, oh my God. Bantha's <laughs> kind of cute, though. I know. I'm going to miss our Bantha friend. Uh, and this is sometime after the loss of his Tusken companions at the hands of the Kintan Striders. He probably got eaten like five seconds after he left off screen. Tatooine's scary. T's and P's. Boba Fett rides. Uh, to the late Jabba the Hutt's palace to investigate the last place he left his ship. Obviously, Slave One. Uh, peering through last the scope. Melon. <laughs> peering through the scope of a cycler rifle, he sees a few Nikto guards and a couple of Gamorians, which I'm not sure if they're the same Gamorians that are now part of Boba's crew. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if it is. Uh, they passively patrol the perimeter, and heading back to the Bantha, he sighs and informs her that there are still too many guards and he heads back out into the dunes my sand my dune uh sitting at a campfire under the stars he shares his dinner with his uh trusty steed until he notices the shooting of bright flares in the distance and when the two arrive at the site boba fett finds an unconscious and dying fennec shand who we saw we saw this scene at a glimpse in the mandalorian season two so kind of fun to see how boba actually got there uh and that was a nice little fill in the the blank space there from the mandalorian season two of how boba actually found fennec shan in the dunes yeah it, it, it was good to see um i'm playing the humidifier next everything's making god darn noise downstairs. <laughs> uh no but it was good to see how everything comes together um it's interesting it's kind of cool you don't really see how she still ends up there. That's left for somewhat of interpretation. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, someone shot her. Um, but, yeah, no, it's cool. It's, she's very lucky that Boba Fett found her. And I don't know why Star Wars is going all cyberpunk lately with the robot <laughs> modifications, man. Yeah, we're going to get into that because... They're all, they're all, it's all the wave in Star Wars. Did it's you notice wave. who the mod artist was? He looked very familiar, but I'm not going to act like I did. I will bring it up as soon as I break down this portion of the episode because when I saw that, I did the Leo meme and said, I know that ain't who I think it is because it absolutely was. Uh, So Boba Fett rides with Fennec Shand hitched over the Banthas, as this puts it, rump, uh, to a mod uh, parlor on the outskirts of Moss Eisley where he sees a group of modded youths hanging around outside the entrance. And I didn't know if these were the same people that are now working for Boba that we saw last week because a lot of them look similar, but I'm not sure if they were the same people or not. Um, I'm sure we'll figure that out as the episodes go on, but he carries Fennec Shan into the building where the mod artist of the shop is at work on another youth. The mod artist turns to Fett and snarks that he is too old to be in such a place to which Fett tells him that Fennec Shan requires modification. Rebuffed for not having an appointment, uh, Boba Fett then drops a plump bag of coins 
onto a table and stresses that Fennec Shand is about to die. The mod artist agrees and replaces the area damaged by a gut shot and Shand's body with complicated cybernetics. Fett asks if he uh, plans to close the operated area, but out of pride for his handiwork, the mod artist leaves it uh, leaves it open and the technology is viewable. Dylan, the mod artist was a fun little celebrity cameo. We had Danny Trejo last week. Yeah. The mod artist is known Star Wars fan, Thundercat. That's who that was? That was Thundercat. I did not know. I actually, yeah, wow. It went right over my head. Because I was like, he looks really familiar. And I was like, is that Thundercat? And then I like Googled. I was like, Thundercat, Book of Boba Fett, after I watched the episode. And a whole ton of articles came, like were showing, oh, Thundercat cameos in the Book of Boba Fett. I was like, that's freaking cool. I was literally listening to his music in the gym. He's so great. He's so funny on Twitter. I'm a degenerate. I didn't even know. How am I going to listen to my man and then not even know he's in the show I just watched? So another fun celebrity cameo uh, with Thundercat, now officially Star Wars canon. I was scrolling through his Twitter, too. Like, there's random pictures of, like, Star Wars-related stuff on his Twitter. Like, he's got a picture of a guitar and, like, some stuffed animals. There's, like, a Porg stuffed animal from uh, the the sequel movies and everything. So he's a known Star Wars fan. It was really cool to see Thundercat uh be put That's into awesome. the star wars universe in a very like thundercat role as a a mod artist um yeah, like underground hipster mod artist yeah super cool i would love to have thundercat on this podcast by the way that would be pretty cool um not sure if i would trust him installing cybernetics in my <laughs> stomach but yes thundercat come on the podcast challenge uh, Fennec Shand awakens painfully after being taken back out into the desert and left to come uh, to to a near fire campfire. Uh, as her vision sharpens, she notices Boba Fett uh, tending to the fire and the Bantha sitting comfortably nearby. With difficulty, she props herself up onto an elbow as Fett cracks a black melon open. He places black melon sounds like a, a an album name. Well. <laughs> yeah, it could be a black melon, or also he was cracking open a nice cold Kenny. True, there's Kenwood in the black melons. Yeah, don't Kenwood. fact check us. Uh, he places it near her and tells her to drink, but first she asks him what happened to her. Boba Fett informs her that she was dying, but that he had also saved her life. She looks around suspiciously and then down to her torso, only to notice the writhing cybernetics in the place that used to be her gut area. Demanding to know what Fett has done to her, he tells her about the mod parlor at Moss Eisley, which was the best he could do for her considering the circumstances. He then reminds her to drink the black melon, mentioning that it will aid her recovery. Raising it to her lips, Shand recoils in disgust at the smell, but after Boba Fett reassures her that although it takes some getting used to and that one can also crave it after a time, she manages to drink from it. Boba Fett identifies her as the master assassin, Fennec Shand, of the mid-rim to which Shand assumes that her bounty is higher with her alive. Boba Fett confirms this, and although Fennec Shand immediately offers him more than double his price on her head, he tells her uh, that he is not after the money. She asks him who he is, and although he answers honestly, she dismisses this and reminds him that Boba Fett is dead. Fett agrees that uh, agrees with her that he indeed was left for dead on the sands of Tatooine, just like she was. Uh, he also tells her how the Tuscans rescued him and accepted him into their tribe, only to wind up dead after he attack, uh, attracted the attention 
of a gang of Nikto speed bikers. Noob. Nerd. Uh, Fennec Shand expresses her disbelief that mere speed bikers could have defeated the Sand People, but Boba Fett uh, reroutes the conversation and tells her that he wants her help to recover his starship. Shand sighs, buffing uh, some sand from her clothes, and asks after uh, asks about its location. But after Boba Fett tells her, she informs him that Bib Fortuna has taken uh, the place over. She asks him why he does not simply ask for the ship's return, and since it's his property, and uh, Boba Fett reveals that he may not like the response, since he is less persuasive without his armor. Fennec Shand has Boba Fett assure her that if she helps him, her debt uh, to him would be considered repaid. And then we go full-blown, Dylan. We get into... Uh, we, we get a nice little Star Wars droid situation where Fennec Always Shand... Always the droids, Kyle. Launches the droid, the drone droid, into uh, the castle and everything. A whole bunch of guards around. Some, and uh, There are some unobservant guards you're telling me no one didn't like it clearly made a pretty distinct sound and they're like huh what 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 is going on Must have uh, been the <laughs> they uh so they kind of you know survey everything then they bust on in they're in the kitchen and uh you get those those kitchen droids they hear something and they absolutely eviscerate them, and I love the, the little detail. It was ruthless, bro. He had a bunch of knives. He was like, Hoy! he was like the chef from The Little Mermaid, chasing Sebastian around. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I love the little detail of like when Fennec like knocked his head off, it just falls on the plate. That was a nice little kitchen detail there that I really enjoyed. I also uh, like how the rat catcher droid turned itself off. Right. I was like, oh, he's a little rat. Um. So then we kind of get the plot hole filled of how Boba and Fennec got into the palace, murked Bib Fortuna, and, uh, you know, they get Slave 1 back, Fennec doing ultimate Fennec stuff, shooting the little weight up to get out. That was badass. Yeah, it was a pretty interesting fighting scene. Typical movie trope where we have to go in silently, and they go in, and someone gets alerted, and they talk the droids to take him out. Then they take out the two guards, and they're like, nice, we did it. Like, high five, teamwork. And then the alarm goes on, and they're like, shit. Um, we also see Boba Fett uh, pulling a, you're good, you're good. You're good. You're Backing good. up. <laughs> Backing up. Backing up. Backing up. the shit out of Slave 1, dude. Uh, so then, basically, Boba's like, you know, where do you want me to drop you off? Because, you know, everything's paid off and everything. And uh, she's like, no, I'm going to go along for the ride. You Two know, very I'm... loyal characters uh, for ex-bounty hunters, which kind of shows the whole theme of, like, they've been burnt one too many times by past employers, and they're kind of sick of it because mm -hmm. she literally dies. Rightfully, I mean, rightfully so. She's saved by a man, so she's, she's indebted or at least, you know, feels like she owes him benefit of the doubt. Um, but then she helps him, and then she's like, nah. I'm gonna stay. Yeah, I'm gonna and stick she around. commits war crimes with them. Just mows down some people driving bicycles in the desert. <laughs> they absolutely hunted down and marked that speeder bike gang. Granted, they deserved it. Yes. Um, and then, then they go, then they go on an outback tour and go see the Scarlack Pit. Yeah. So then they go to the Sarlacc Pit, and I don't know about you. I was very confused as to what they were doing. I was like, "What are you doing? Get away from this thing!" Like. It, this is not For okay. Second, I thought he was trying to fit the ship in there, and I was like, oh, boy. Yeah, I was like, oh, my God. Boba. <laughs> Buddy. 
what are we doing here? So they go to the Sarlacc pit. Uh, he lowers the ship into the mouth of the pit and searches for his armor with spotlights. But then the Sarlacc attacks the ship, and we see the Sarlacc with the beak, uh, which we didn't see in episode one. So we see the beak and the tentacles and everything. Uh, so I'm sure a lot of the OG Star Wars fans were pissed off about that. But uh, I thought it was kind of cool to see it like in modern day live action and the way that it was able to attack the ship and everything. Um, so the, the Sarlacc attacks the ship. Fennec Shan drops that seismic charge that we saw in the Mandalorian season two. When oh, uh, makes. we dropped that bad boy in the air and, and killed a bunch of those uh, killer droids and everything. Um, so it kills the creature, but Boba Fett does not find his armor inside the dead beast. And he comes out and he's on fire from the acid and everything. He's cooling himself down. I was like, Boba, no wonder you're in this freaking back to tank. Yeah, all the time. it's self inflicted. My man went and rolled around in fucking acid, acid. To, go, to go find his lost car keys, essentially. Yeah, absolutely insane uh, mindset there from our guy Boba Fett. But then we get it into the present. That's true. And then that was a key thing that he mentioned. It's, you know, it's not going to melt because it's Beskar, uh, which is the first time we've heard Beskar get name dropped in the book of Boba Fett. Um, so then in the present day, Black Kersantan is chilling at the cantina, at the bar, doing the damn thing. And I was very happy to see Black Kersantan's face again uh, after his funny, awkward like runoff last week uh, when Boba set him free. Uh, and he gets in a bar fight with the Trandoshans. He he does not like the lizards. He was, yeah, he was just watching them. Like, I guess they were gambling or playing some kind of game. Yeah. And then he's drinking. He's probably getting a little sloshed, you know? My man Charges up having, the, the electric brass knuckles. He's having too much stateside and too much Kenny. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he charges up his murder weapons and then just literally commits manslaughter in a bar. <laughs> totally mercs the Trandoshans. Uh, and then, you know, he's got the size of guy's arm off. I don't know if that was like a, a deep cut Easter egg of the first Star Wars where Obi-Wan chops the guy's arm off. Mm-hmm. Uh, either way though, Kyle and I talked about before. That just, that just gives you an idea. Uh, if you're a more casual Star Wars fan, or if you forget how, uh, insanely strong Wookiees are, um, he was able to hold a man up like a little kid. Like, you know, like, we like a Bantha. And then, yeah, <laughs> like a Bantha. And then, literally, rip his arm off, not dislocate it off. I don't know about you, Kyle, but I don't think I'm strong enough to rip somebody's arm off. I, I don't know. Yeah, I ain't there yet, Chief. You might be closer than me, though, with all the gains you got in the gym, but that's true. You're true. I'm, I ain't I'm there yet. Trying to <laughs> channel my inner Wookiee. Uh, no. Which is nuts. So he gets in the bar fight with the Trandoshans before Bovesh is chilling in there, too, watching this all go down. Uh, and then he hires our guy, Black Kersantan, uh, which I'm very excited about this team up. Uh, so then Boba Fett proposes a defense alliance with Mos Espa's other crime bosses. And we have, you know, the Godfather sit down, you know. A trope is old. It, you said it the best right there. A trope is old as time. A bunch of Italianos the sitting down on a table. And they're like, oh, this is my territory, huh? <laughs> Sitting down at the table, having a, a nice meal. It's, Welcome to the table, you gabagoons. Uh... <laughs> Although, in the Italian movies, they weren't sitting on top of a giant monster. Yes, that is a nice added effect. Uh, so they're sitting with the pr crime bosses, uh, trying to, you know, 
build that defense alliance against the Pike Syndicate as conflict is imminent. You know, they're ready to go to war. It's about to go down. Uh, it's a spice war, drug wars, the war on drugs, if you will. Uh, shout out to Philly's <laughs> Finest, one of the best bands in, from Philadelphia, the war on drugs. Uh, although they refuse, Boba Fett convinces them to remain neutral if the Pikes approach them. When the boss Dude, it's is... the easiest deal ever. Easy, easy money. That's uh, like, he literally told, yeah, exactly, easy money, Kyle. That's just, he, he literally said, yo, don't do anything different than what you're doing now. Except tell these guys to jog off. Yeah, and you can keep everything you have. Now, do we think? Do you think these guys are going to listen to him? Uh, how would you rank it in terms of who do you think's going to listen? So we obviously the had the Trandoshans, people. we had the Aqualish, and then we had those bulldog face looking people, which I don't know what their species is. I trust is, but... the alien that could not speak English the most. <laughs> then I trust the Trandoshan. Uh, second most or second least, and then I trust the bulldog alien, the species. least. The guy he just looks angry compared to the other ones. Yeah, I mean, Trandoshans look like sleazy. That's kind of like it's kind of like their thing, and they sound it. That's Boba Fett makes that remark. They speak powerful tongue. Yeah, and, <laughs> I mean, and then Bosk, if you know Star Wars, doesn't yes. really help the uh, belief of them, and then. The one guy you can't understand what he's saying is getting translated, so that's like you know tomato tomato. But then the the the, the angry bull bulldog, he looked like a he kind of like Jeepers Creepers. Mm-hmm. The Jeepers Creepers aliens, I'll go with that. They he he just does not seem like he was having a good time. I'm gonna do my best 8d8 impression when he was translating. Master Buttface is trying to say that uh, he is all in favor of this agreeance, Master Fett. That's fair. I love 8D8. His character's hilarious. Yeah. Well, what's Star Wars without a good droid, you know? Very yeah, true. Star Wars and droids go hand in hand. That's literally everyone has everyone has a droid. So when the bosses leave, Fennec Shan suggests that Boba Fett hire reinforcements for the upcoming war. And everybody at home that was listening loud and clear heard something very familiar that I'm going to play for the people real quick. I hope Ludwig Gorenson doesn't... Uh, Hit us with a little copyright, but everybody at the end of that episode heard this, Dylan. I tell you this, everybody at home, and I'm telling Dylan this, I jumped out of my skin in excitement. Because hearing the Mandalorian theme, if Din Djarin is going to be on this team-up event of, of bounty hunters and, and assassins... Holy shit, the next three episodes of the Book of Boba Fett are going to be electric. I mean, it's very plausible. We already know he's... Because he confirmed a rumor to have, uh, before this, a, a guest appearance. And, secondly, he dropped his kid at daycare. Yep. He's a free man. Daddy daycare is over. Really? It's time for daddy to get back to his, his bounty hunting really? ways. We'll, we'll look past the fact that his daycare, te- his, uh, daycare teacher is going to try to slaughter one of his children. But that's okay. We'll that ain't no problem. That. It's fine. It's fine. Um, no, but you're, you're right. And I think we, I think this is, we talked about it off camera. We talked about this. And I started saying other bounty hunters. You could see, 
you could see Bosk. You could see the crew that Boba Fett runs with. You were saying that. And, and yeah, I think, I think Children of the Watch, very good Star Wars podcast. Shout out to that. I would love to have them on this show with us to kind of do like a crossover. Children of the Watch, check it out. No free ads, but shout out to them. They're a great podcast doing Star Wars live action breakdowns. They brought up that Clone Wars theory where when Boba's young and he's running with like, it's like the teenage bounty hunters pretty much, little young bounty hunting rugrats. Uh, they could bring them back into live action, which would be very cool. Um, and we could see that down the line because obviously Dave Filoni is directing episode six of this series. So not next week's episode, but the following week. And I think that could be an episode where we see a ton of bounty hunters and ton of Clone Wars, Bad Batch, you know. Dude, I'm all for it. And I want them to bring Dengar. And I want them because in the Clone Wars, when they use him, he has like an Australian or a Zealand accent. Mm -hmm. So... I thought of this right now. What better actor, if they were going to have him, than the guy who played Kane in the Mortal Kombat movie? Ooh. To play Dengar in Star Wars, because he's kind of, in the Clone Wars, he is kind of an ass, and he's kind of witty, and he's cheesy. I like that. So that would translate. Um, I'm going to IMDb and cheat later and see if anything's listed uh, as Dengar or an actor that, you know, is a tall, like, white dude. And I'd be like, oh, maybe. Uh, but no, it's gonna be cool, and I think you're right. And then Cad Bane is another guy that people would probably he's like explode. our that, white whale. We want to see Cad Bane in live action. Yeah, there's quite a few options, and they can go and make up a new bounty hunter if they if they wanted to. I think it definitely the a, a group is definitely and that's what was inferred to by Muscle on the way they worded it. So I wouldn't be surprised if they hire an individual or two, but I definitely think they're going to hire a group. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have, obviously, the, the crime leaders and everything kind of... I think there'll be more background characters in this hire, whole... Uh, Death Watch? No, I'm kidding. They're, they're dead. <laughs> they're Mandalorian. I mean, uh, Bo-Katan, hello. Uh, but it looks like we're going to have a team-up event of bounty hunters, including Boba Fett, Fennec Shand, Black Kersantan, Mando, Din Djarin, and then... Uh, a plethora of other bounty hunters. I would love to see Cad Bane roll up into this. I would love to see the you know Rugrats from uh, from Clone Wars roll up into this as, where they are now. I'm sure we're gonna have the mods be part of this team up as well that we saw in Episode Three. Uh, since they're working for Boba, the Gamorrean guards are probably gonna be a part of this thing. He's probably gonna be riding the big old monster. What, I'm blanking on what the heck they're called uh, that we saw last week with Danny Trejo. Um, totally blanking. Who, uh, wait, sorry. who, who, who are you blanking on? The the big old uh, monster thing that Danny Trejo rode in with. The Rangar? The Rancor. Rancor. That's what it is. Uh, I'm sure Boba's going to be riding that thing into war like it's freaking Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But I got to ask this, Dylan, because it's we're talking Clone Wars. We're talking war. We're talking crime. We've seen two of them already, plus the Pike Syndicate and everything. On a scale of 1 to 10, how likely do you think it's going to be that we see Zero the Hut, Dylan? <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> you know I had to do it to you. Yeah. <laughs> 
We all know the traditional Big Four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Like you. Uh, very interesting that you brought up Mortal Kombat, though, Dylan, because uh, our uh, director this week was Kevin Tankorian. Tancaro. Tan. Charo. Tancharoan. All that matters. I butchered his name. I'm so sorry, Kevin. Uh, he is. Uh, he. It was announced that, uh, you know, in 2011, back in the day, he was going to be helming a big screen ad- adaptation of Mortal Kombat Mortal after Kombat. he created the successful web series Mortal Kombat Legacy, although he dropped out of the project in 2013. He was also part of, filmography-wise, he did Fame in 2009, uh, which is the American musical, obviously. Uh, he did Glee, the 3D concert movie. Ooh. Uh, TV-wise... He was part of two episodes of Prison Break. Uh, he was part of, obviously, The Book of Boba Fett. Uh, a Million Little Things, he was part of one episode. He was part of The Flash. He did three episodes from 2015 to 2018. One episode of Supergirl. Three episodes of Arrow. Uh, 16 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and a whole bunch of other projects as well. So, a little Mortal Kombat tie-in there. Um, I didn't even know and I knew. But I think the big one that everybody's looking forward to is episode six because Dave Filoni's going to be part of the project. He is uh, he's directing that one, so I think that's going to be the big Clone Wars potential tie-ins and everything. But overall, like we said, we think this episode was a, a big time, you know, it was that quote-unquote, for lack of a better term, the filler episode. Filled in a lot of plot points. Got you excited with that little teaser of Din's, you know, theme, the Mandalorian theme there. Yeah. And uh I just looked by the way when Kyle was explaining stuff. There's no Pedro Pascal listed in the IMDb yet or any other bounty hunters. Uh so they're hiding from us. They're hiding. They're hiding them, which I like. I like that they're not, you know, fully out there showing off who's going to be in the show. Um but I think this was a nice way to fill in some plot points from season two of the Mandalorian. Cause we all know this is kind of just like a branch off as well of the Mandalorian while we wait for season three. Uh, I don't understand the hate that this show is getting. I think it's, it's really well done. I think so a lot of people I can tell you exactly why a, because I had the same thought uh, and B when I Googled to see if I could find Pedro, it came up. So people are pissed. And I, I honestly, I don't disagree. Uh, I sleep with that too much to get too pissed. Um, mm-hmm. but people are upset that the show or Star Wars is once again stuck on Tatooine, aka a desert planet. Um, and that's generally that's a big thing I'm seeing. Uh, also, I know people just are not really interested, I guess, because of that factor. And I think I saw some people talk about the acting, and yeah, you know, that like. 
it doesn't have to be like the best act. It's not. This is not a show that I anticipated. Like any actor in it was going to steal the show. This is a show. It's a legacy show. Well, it's exp- no, not even that. It's exploring the world of Star Wars. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's exploring different storylines. I, for one, am at least happy I'm not getting another space wizard with a sword. Like we yes. can. That's what Star Wars fans have to realize. Like you have every right to hate this. That's okay. You're in your own person. But like, don't get pissy. It's on sand. At least it's like a crime gun shooter. Granted, we've already gotten that Mandalorian, but we're getting a notorious character returning, and we possibly might have other cameos. I mean, we already saw the Hut line. Mm-hmm. We already saw well, we saw <laughs> Bib Fortuna very, very uh, momentarily. <laughs> uh, we saw Sally Pit. You know, we saw Rancor. So like, got Black Santa introduced from the comics. Yeah. So like, there's just once again, I think it's just world building as a whole for Star Wars because we have to realize Disney has plans mm-hmm. for Star Wars and they have plans for Marvel. Marvel is very proactive and it's very much. Uh, ahead of Star Wars at this point in popularity. I think the more recent movies kind of put Star Wars back a couple pegs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mandalorian was very well received, and Boba Fett, despite the criticism, I just looked, it still has a 7.4 in IMDb, which is not a bad show rating by any means. I just think people are getting too caught up on there's no like WandaVision tier of acting or like an HBO Max. It's a very different vibe of a show. Even like, that sounds weird saying this, but even like Peacemaker acting, like you're not getting, because it's just, this is about exploring characters. And it's just a different range of like actors and cast. Like I, so I, I personally don't mind it, but I understand, I understand why people are um, like, I guess in disbelief or disarray over it. But at the same time, Star Wars fans are incredibly crazy. Uh, myself included sometimes, but like mm-hmm. there is no pleasing Star Wars fans. You, you please this section or that section, right. you know? So that's just kind of a mute point. Same thing with Marvel. I mean, you have the guys mm-hmm. who are like, that doesn't happen in the comics. Like the Moon Knight thing. I've seen people, like people were like, what the hell is this? It looks stupid. And then Crazy. other people other people were like, this is amazing. You know what I mean? So it's just yeah. thrown, really. So Dylan, that brings us to, which we still need to get a name for our review yeah, portion. Yeah, can we like crowdsource? Please leave a review leave or a- comment. Leave, tweet us at us. Let us know what you want us to name our review thing. Uh, we'll figure something fun out. It doesn't have to be, you know, for the actual review, but we can name it something. Or if somebody wants to sponsor the review segment, let us know. Um, but Dylan, for episode four of the book, Bofit, what is your rating? And I'm going to pull up the Rotten Tomatoes as well right now as you uh, give us your rating. My rating, I'm going to go lower just because I didn't like, I don't like how it was all shoddy. I'm going to go 7.6. Uh, okay. So- my lowest rating. Don't hate the show. Obviously, in hindsight, seven out of six, seven six out of ten, still not bad. It's just uh, episode. I and mean, we we were able to honestly describe it very quickly, and that's just how the episode was. So nothing stands out. It's good plot building, but that's it. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent. I'm giving it a seven point eight. Uh, so very close. And yeah, for the math geniuses at home, not named us. 7.6 plus 7.8 divided by 2. That's a nice little 7.7 at home for our average score. Uh, I mean, I think it's a good, you know, setup episode. A lot yes. of people are going to hate it because it's that's what it is. Um, this episode actually has a pretty high overall percentage rating. as a 7.1 out of 10 average rating, and okay. then the percentage rating is 89%. 
on Rotten Tomatoes. So we're right in that ballpark. I didn't hate the episode. I understand why people think it was slow or it might have been like a filler. But that's what this episode was. It's meant to build up the next three. It's not like The Mandalorian where we've had like 9, 10, you know, 11 episodes a season. There's only a seven-episode show or seven-episode season. We don't know if we're going to get more seasons of Boba Fett. But uh, it's only seven episodes. So they have to have, you know, one of those moments where it's going to be Let's build up the plot. Let's, you know, build towards the ultimate ending of what we want to get to. And that's what this episode was. It was the smack dab in the middle of the season. And I'm sure you and I are going to be going crazy over episode five, especially over episode six. And then the finale, we're going to lose our minds because I'm sure something big is going to build from this. And then all the haters who have been writing all these hit piece articles about how Boba Fett stinks and Star Wars killed one of their best characters off with this this show metaphorically uh, are going to be looking like absolute morons by the time this show ends in a couple weeks. For all we know, they might kill off the character in the show. Uh, I'm not like yeah, who knows because the actor in real life loves the role, but he's not a young guy. So unless they have plans for him to be like involved, like my point is, they can't do a Marvel thing and be like, "Yo, uh, Timo, you're going to be like." You're going to be uh, Boba Fett again in, like, four years? He's like, bro, I'm like... <laughs> he's 60. Not... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, He's like, I'm not that young, my guys. Like, we can't be time <laughs> skip in five, six years. You know what I mean? So, who knows? Yeah. We're going to have three episodes to, to build up this war that we're going to. And who the hell knows what's going to happen next week. But I'm excited. I know Dylan's excited. And uh, everyone just needs to calm down, relax, pull your panties out of your butt cracks. <laughs> And let's enjoy the now book of time Boba. for the peacemaker dance. And <laughs> Dylan, give everybody the dance. Dance yeah. for the people I'm because it is time <laughs> for Peacemaker episodes one through three. They dropped last week uh, on launch day. And first things first, James Gunn does not want anybody skipping the intro video. You're supposed to watch it. I have watched every single one. The dance is very enticing. I love it. Uh, so let's get into Peacemaker, which is basically a television series sequel to The Suicide Squad, which Dylan and I reviewed and talked about earlier uh, in 2021. We absolutely loved it. So the premise of this show is after recovering from the injuries that he suffered during the events of The Suicide Squad, meaning a building falling on him and getting shot, uh, Christopher Smith, a.k.a. Peacemaker, a.k.a. John Cena, uh, is forced to join the mysterious Argus, A-R-G-U-S, Black Ops Squad, Project Butterfly, who are on a mission to identify and eliminate parasitic butterfly-like creatures in human form around the United States and the world. Dude. (laughs) This show. You get a glimpse of that. Also, if you haven't seen Peacemaker and you you saw Star Wars, which is great because you were here for all of that, Leave, because it's about to get crazy. <laughs> yeah, so if you have not watched Peacemaker, pause the episode, go watch the first three episodes. They're dropping every single Thursday, uh, so we'll have reviews of each episode from here on out. Also, would love to have John Cena on this podcast, especially since oh. every interview he's done about Peacemaker, he just wears the costume. Dude, I, I, uh, I, think he, I think he's having the time of his life. Yes. Finally be... I read somewhere that he was rejected several times from Marvel properties mm-hmm. and entities. And uh, so, like, if that's true, that makes this even more amazing because this show is incredible. And it's also 
excuse me, funny because James Gunn uh, dabbles with both sides. Yes, uh, and he also has people forget James Gunn also has his own super superhero universe. He has two movies. He has Super with Rain Wilson, mm-hmm. and then he has Brightburn, where it's like that little kid who's like the evil version of Superman. Mm-hmm. And they're loosely connected. Like there's a, a Easter egg in Brightburn that connects because Rain Rain Wilson's character is like a vigilante. Uh-huh. Yeah. See what I did there? And uh, yeah. So my point is, uh, James Gunn's nuts, and you see that in this show, and I love it. Love we stand it. James Gunn on this podcast. We'd love to have James Gunn on the show. Uh, so to set up a little time frame here too, because like we said, this is a sequel to the Suicide Squad movie. It's right. Uh, episode one called "A Whole New World." W H I R L E D, directed and written by James Gunn. The first three episodes are all written and directed by James Gunn. So this is five months after his mission with the Suicide Squad in Corto Maltese. Peacemaker has recovered from his, uh, the injuries he suffered there and is discharged from the hospital. Upon returning to his trailer home, uh, Smith is confronted by a group of Argus agents, Clemson Mern, who I believe was made just for this show. He's not from the comics. Uh, Amelia Harcourt, John Economis, and a newcomer, Leota Adebayo. Uh, they give him the choice of returning to Bell Reef Prison or joining a new mission dubbed Project Butterfly. Smith visits his father, Augie, who we'll get oh. into, oh. Oh, to, <laughs> to retrieve his pet eagle, Eagly, and acquire a new outfit. He then <laughs> has dinner with the team, and uh, Mern gives him a dossier of an assassination target. Smith later attempts to flirt with Harcourt in a bar, but is rejected and instead goes home with a different woman at the bar. Meanwhile, Adebayo privately discusses her role in Project Butter- Butterfly with her mother, who is Amanda Waller, uh, Argus leader Amanda Waller. The woman that Smith is with attacks him and reveals that she, is a su- she has superhuman strength. Superhuman. Uh, <laughs> during the following fight, Smith activates a sonic boom weapon in his helmet that destroys the woman. So, this episode was absolutely batshit bonkos crazy. Uh, obviously, he's talking to the, the custodian in the hospital. And like, There's no superhero named Peacemaker. Uh, and then he realizes, and he's like, you're the racist guy. You're the guy. racist guy. And I was like, oh, this is where this show is going. And I, uh, and I love that scene because John Cena says, I will make a <laughs> concerted effort. To kill more white people. And then the janitor is like, you know what? That does help. Like, he's, like that. he's like, I like that. What a line. Uh, so then he goes and visits his dad, who you can already tell is a scumbag, like, upon arrival. I was like, oh, God, he's one of those. Where Where was Peacemaker's dad on January 6th? And it's interesting because the dad, James Gunn, combined two comic book things in the mm-hmm. one. So the White Dragon, which they, it's not, I mean, it's a spoiler, but you, if you're here, you've already seen the episode. So he gets called White Dragon in the second in episode. In episode two, yeah. Which when they were like chanting and some KKK weird shit, don't 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 like that. Um, but no, so the White Dragon's like literally like a Iron Man esque mech DC supervillain. That's also a white supremacist. So whoever made that comic book panel, they were playing with god darn fire. <laughs> yeah, like yo guys, I got this new idea for this villain. Oh, cool! What is it, Mark? All right, hear me out. So. Marvel has Iron Man. We're going to copy that, kind of. We're gonna but make, make him racist as make fuck. Him racist as fuck. Even the name White Dragon sounds like he should be part of the KKK. Whoa, yeah. dude, Mark, that's probably not a good idea. Like, what are you thinking? But hey, I guess it was. Crazy. Works. And also, um, 
I think there's like two versions of there's two or three versions of Peacemaker in the comics. The mm-hmm. one version, his dad is a literal like I think an actual like you didn't like 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 German mm-hmm. Nazi. Um, so I th- I think something with Nazi. Either way, so my point is yeah. James Gunn. I read about it. He literally just was like he combined the two, and it's on purpose to mm-hmm. show you how terrible of a human this man is. On uh, the kind of, I, I think it's also honestly just to give the empathy for the audience to relate to John Cena's character, mm-hmm. um, like more as the show goes on. But it's, that's a fun little fact, in case you didn't know that. So apparently, James Gunn literally made this the worst possible human possible. Although I will say, his closet is cool as shit. Very true. Uh, we also saw John Cena slinging dong in this episode. <laughs> going absolutely insane uh with the uh the butterfly chick and i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna make note of that next time i'll yell freedom as well for John Cena. then absolutely eviscerates her with that sonic boom and just blows up the human that he just uh had sex with and my brother uh, and i uh we watched the first episode and a half and i had to go work out and i finished it so Obviously, that was awkward seeing that scene with him. But, but besides the point, uh, when we watched it, when like when they were fighting, we were like, "Is this Vixen? You know, like the like the superhero? Like, we were like right. no, she's not like she's not like this. We we had no idea where it was going. I thought it was just like a regular woman who was like a serial killer. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, if someone dresses like that at the bar, I'm not going home with them. I, I'd be a little apprehensive. <laughs> be a little scared. Yeah. The 70s called and they want their style back or 80s, you know, 70s music, right? Yeah. So, yeah. like, I would be scared, but uh, yeah, very interesting. Also, John Cena pretty much breaking up a marriage <laughs> with those two people in the apartment. Uh, it was already rocky. And then the fact that he had a threesome uh, with that woman and vigilante who kept his mask on. <laughs> Also, you everyone who everyone who watched noticed the fact that Vigilante admitted to murdering people for doing drugs, right? That was my favorite part of episode two. He's like he's talking to Peacemaker, and he's like, "Do you think I enjoy when people do an egregious thing and I have to kill them, like graffiti, smoking heroin?" No, no, I enjoy it, and he giggles like a madman. <laughs> Episode had me dying, dude. Oh, that the first episode, I was like laughing my ass off, and I was like, "If this is the direction this show is going, I'm going to need to like have multiple pants at the ready because I'm going to shit my pants laughing <laughs> at how hilarious this comedy is." Uh, so then we get into episode two, best friends for never. Uh, so Smith contacts Harcourt and explains his situation at Evergreen's police force uh, as they come to investigate the sonic boom. Harcourt and Adebayo come to collect Smith while he retrieves his belongings from the woman's apartment. He also discovers a mysterious device that he takes. Uh, Smith briefly takes a couple hostage and is able to escape from their apartment uh, balcony, getting away with Eagly, Harcourt, and Adebayo. Uh, Economos changes Smith's fingerprints in the police system to point to Augie. And Adebayo bribes the couple that Smith took hostage into identifying Augie as the man who took them hostage. The police arrest Augie, and in prison, he is hailed as the White Dragon by white inmates. Smith realizes that the woman 
uh, only tried to attack him after she saw the dossier he had on his oh, assassination target. That part had me rolling. <laughs> they were tears. accusing each other of espionage. They were full-fledged coming at each other's necks. They were like, which one of you is the commie? Which one of you is the alien? And then John so Cena's funny. like, oh, shit. <laughs> what you want me to do? Put it back in my car? <laughs> it, just, it just it pans to her reading it. Like, oh, man. Uh, feeling shunned by the team. By oh, the no, God. Sorry, you off. Uh, makes you think there was a big absence of him being a dipshit. Yes. After she read that. So she could have also inadvertently tipped other butterflies off. Mm-hmm. With, uh, I mean, they're acting like humans. Yeah. I mean, because the one still wanted to, to bone with him, so they still... You know what I mean? So my point is, like, they, she could easily use a cell phone. I mean, right. Like, hey, uh, there's some people here trying to kill us. So then, feeling shunned by the team, Smith returns to his trailer and is greeted by his one-time crime-fighting partner, Vigilante, who attempts to cheer Smith up by inviting him to, to a target practice. They later learn that the device from the woman's apartment is a miniature spaceship. And that was episode two. Yeah. Uh, also, Vigilante is my new favorite DC hero. <laughs> also, people don't know this. This is a hero being rebranded. If you mm-hmm. ever watch the old Justice Leagues, Kyle, you might have a like a moment. Vigilante in that is the cowboy with the mask and the two revolvers and went and drives the motorcycle. He's mm-hmm. often teamed up with, I think his name's like Lily the Knight. He's like the, the guy with the sword. Um, th- this that hero vigilante is what we're seeing now. They like rebranded him and rebooted him. Um, and I'm not mad about it. <laughs> yeah, he's hilarious. Um, hilarious. And we learn in the third episode, um, also a badass. Yes. So for the ep- wrong reasons. <laughs> episode three, better goff dead. Uh, so Mern briefs Smith on their first mission. To assassinate United States Senator Royland Goff, who is a suspected butterfly, as well as his wife and young children, if they are proven to be butterflies as well. Smith shows hesitance about killing children, despite previously saying that he was willing to do so for, quote-unquote, peace. Uh, Smith and Harcourt stake out uh, the Goff's house and are soon joined by Vigilante, who secretly followed them and then tries to hide in the bushes to pretend like he's not there, and I was pissing my pants Every second of that. Uh, when the Goff family are seen displaying alien-like behavior, Mern orders Smith to assassinate them all, but Smith is unable to do so. Vigilante takes over and successfully kills the wife and children, but Goff's bodyguard, Judo Master... He's not in the comics, is he? Judo Master? Um, I was looking an earlier at it. He is. He is? Uh, so he, he the first Judo Master debuted in Special War Series number 4. Okay. Uh, in the comics, I'm pulling it up here. Um, because I was like, I was like, when I was watching the episode, I was like, yo, who's this midget? <laughs> so, uh, Judo Master, uh, was a sergeant in World War II in the United States Army. Uh, he rescued the daughter of a Pacific Island chief and in return was taught the martial art of Judo. He had a sidekick named Tiger in the Nightshade Backup series in the Captain, in Captain Adam. And Adult Tiger was Nightshade's martial arts instructor. Um, oh, his so, costume looks a lot different than the comic. Yes. And it's a grown-ass man. It's not a little kid. Yeah. Uh, Judo Master had me pissing my pants at how hilarious that dude was. Uh, so he intervenes and incapacitates Smith 
and Vigilante before Goff is killed. Uh, inside the house, Goff tortures Vigilante, whose secret identity is revealed to be Adrian Chase, to force Smith to reveal information. Uh, Mans was getting his whole toe cut off and his ball sack just zapped. Well, he was getting his toe cut off with the equivalent of a fucking nail clipper, though. Yeah, that shit was so painful to watch. He was getting his nutsack zapped and uh, just absolute torture there. Uh, so they are interrupted by Mern, Harcourt, and Adebayo, which gives Smith the opportunity to free himself and kill Goff. Meanwhile, Economos incapacitates Judo Master, and a butterfly-like creature emerges from Goff's corpse, and that shit was absolutely disgusting. We also got fun uh, DC comic references as Easter eggs throughout the, these first three episodes. Um, most notably, Batmite, I think, was the funniest and most hilarious uh, one no there's a reference that uh in the very first episode that aquaman uh has yeah fishes. aquaman has aquaman fucks the fishes <laughs> and then uh you got a batman <laughs> reference bat might uh, a superman reference I think. I think there was a superman reference a whole bunch of them which yeah, i really was, liked all the i liked boys. that a lot um bat might being a, a big time deep cut which is kind of like uh throg from marvel with Frog Thor that we saw in Loki. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this show, I think episode three was the biggest like plot development episode uh, in terms of like what the show is all going to be about. Well, the, the show is going to be. plot development is him choking when he was trying to shoot the children. Mm hmm. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's messed up, messed up meme I already saw on Twitter, but I, it, it has some validity given his character potentially being racist. I don't know if he is or not. Um, but someone made a meme. It was like, if those kids were of a different ethnicity, he would have not hesitated. True. But, but to be fair, he hesitated when shooting the father. True. And he was, he looked like Italian or Spanish. So my point is like, I don't think that is in the play. I think all the murdering has finally caught up to him. Mm -hmm. uh, I also think it's very clear. He has the mental capacity of like an eight year old child. Or maybe like a twelve-year-old boy. Yeah, he's a little kid though. Like literally, I mean, not obviously not, but you know what I mean. Like mentally, he's very much a mm -hmm. fucking kid. Um, and there's they're hinting at a romance between him and Blondie. I mean, that's yeah. just that's a trope and a half, but it's there brewing, or at least James Gunn is making us think it because James Gunn is notorious for not revealing his cards. Mm -hmm. He's pretty straightforward with his movies. We've watched a few now, but. If you think about Suicide Squad, there was quite a few twists that no one really thought about. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I expect the same out of this show. So my point is I wouldn't be surprised if Peacemaker, like, keeps looking like he's progressing and then, like, three episodes later turns into a complete douchebag again. Just because right. that's James Gunn. And same thing with the villain. Like, there could be someone controlling <coughs> all these butterflies like a hive mind. Because when that one guy dies, a bunch more pop up on the map. I, I don't really understand why yet. Um, also, Judah Master got <laughs> schwacked with that crowbar. Or yeah. iron. Uh, so, first three episodes, we'll get into our rankings for this, but there are eight episodes of this show. Obviously, episode four comes out uh, the day you guys are listening to this. It's titled The Chode Less Traveled. Um, and it <laughs> is <laughs> directed by Jody Hill, Dylan. And I'm going to give you some of Jody Hill's uh, filmography and television credits here. Um, so filmography wise, 2007, she was part of a, a little movie known as Superbad. Hey, uh, and then TV wise, 
She was a she's a creator. Where's Jody? My phone started playing music randomly. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Jody is Jody's uh, he. Uh, so okay. Jody's part of Superbad as Tut Long John Silver. Um, and then TV wise, Eastbound and Down, a director, writer, executive producer, actor, and creator of Eastbound and Down. Uh, and then The Righteous Gemstones, a director, executive producer, and actor. Uh, Vice Principals which was on HBO with Danny McBride uh, and a whole bunch of other people as well. Uh, director, writer, executive producer, whole bunch of like comedy stuff. Uh, and was also part of Seth Rogen's Observe and Report. Uh, so this Ooh. episode is going to be, I'm sure, a full-length feature of comedy. Uh, and then Peacemaker episode five, Rosemary Rodriguez is... Uh, the director for this one, who the credits for Rosemary are in 2005, Law and Order, Without a Trace, bum, uh, bum, 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 Rescue bum. Me, Criminal Minds, Blue Bloods, uh, Undercovers, White Collar, uh, The Good Wife, Lights Out, um, what, uh, Law and Order SVU, Vegas in 2013, Empire, uh, also part of Jessica Jones as a director um, for season two, episode nine, uh, the walking dead part of the walking dead there. Okay. Uh, and now I'm going to be on peacemaker. So that episode seems like it's going to be a lot of like gore and like criminally and a lot of, you know, killing going on in episode five. And then episode seven, be a lot of killing. In that's this. valid. And then episode seven, Brad Anderson is the director, um, and Brad has been part of... I mean, there's literally aliens inside people's heads. Yeah, pretty good. Kyle, gross. we watched a butterfly fly out of a... It was so a, disgusting. Of a, of a shotgun. I thought it was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> the butterfly effect. Uh, Brad Anderson was part of The Wire. Um, Ooh, great show. Did you watch, by the way, did you watch the... the, like the and trailer scene for that after episode three of Peacemaker, like the no, I didn't see that there was one. It's like it's it's just showing like what the next episodes are. Like, okay, it's like a brief clip, and it shows like a uh, of a a graphic. And it shows like a person bent over or standing, and it was saying how the butterflies they can get in through the butthole. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like that's gonna play a part. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Brad was also part of Boardwalk Empire. Um, clickbait in 2021, a show clickbait, a whole bunch of different stuff there. So those are the other directors not named James Gunn that will be part of Peacemaker. But Dylan, the first three episodes of Peacemaker as a whole, I think we should just grade them all together. What is your, uh, your grade? Dude, I'm, I'm... <sighs> To get the whole podcast hosted by Stephen McAvoy and John Mavalia, be sure to follow us on Twitter at GetInTheWholePod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm going to go with like 8.9. I, it's, I, it's high for me, but like, it's it's genuinely an enjoyable show. Um, 
it's my kind of humor. It's your kind of humor. Uh, it's 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 got everything. It's got it's got a story. It looks like we're gonna have maybe a redemption arc. Uh, you know, it's just got, it's got everything you would need in like a in like a gritty kind of James Gunn esque. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like literally directed it, like comedy special or <laughs> comedy special, like a comedy uh, action show essentially. Yeah. And the fact that we got three at once, I love that. I yeah, love that was that. nice. I'm going. Uh, I'm going to give this a nine three for the first Ooh, three episodes. I'm a really big fan. The comedy aspect. James Gunn is just a genius. We were talking about this last night. We, we we were like, you know, anything Suicide Squad. I said, let James Gunn be part of it. You said, fuck it, give him the keys to DC, and I couldn't agree more. Like James Gunn has really taken uh, this by storm in terms of just being able to make good, entertaining properties for DC, and. Uh, you know, John Cena is an absolute rock star in this show. He's I think man, the supporting dude. cast is great. The plot is hilarious. There's a fucking eagle biting people's faces uh, and hugs John Cena. I really am enjoying this show, and I can't wait for more. Uh, and I'm very excited to see where episode four goes. So I'm giving this a 9-3, and an overall rating for episodes one through three for the boys here is a 9-1 out of 10. Uh and so, with that, we move on, Dylan, to our next topic. Moon Knight! Moon Knight trailer reaction and thoughts, and it's brought to you by our good friends over at Pickup. You guys can go to playpickup.com, play the hottest headlines in sports, cash in, you you rack up points, cash them in for prizes in the marketplace at Pickup. Uh, and, of course, there's great stuff over there. So go to playpickup.com now. Start playing the hottest headlines in sports. Dylan, the Moon Knight trailer launched at halftime of Monday Night Football. We had a whole Twitter spaces about it, uh, which was a watch that game, brother. ton of fun. That was literally the only reason I was watching. I needed to see the trailer. Um, your your first initial thoughts of Moon Knight from the trailer we got. Um, I like the uh, the aspect to the angle that the show is going to be, and I like the fact that the characters batshit crazy. Uh, Moon Knight has multiple person, uh, uh, Jesus, dissociative personality disorder. Thank you. Um, so he's not gonna know what's real, what's not. Like the dude is literally chained to his bed. That is menace society, dude. That that's just crazy to think about. Like, that's did you notice just... like the sand that he had around the the foot of the bed too to make sure that like nobody like got in or out and like left footprints? Yeah, he's uh, he's he's crazy. I mean, and then. It ends with the rocket of him answering a phone, like a flip phone, and it's like, oh my god, Mark, you're alive. Um, Why did you call me Mark? Yeah, because literally, this character is going to be battling with two, 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 pe- like, he's two people within a person. Um, basically, There's actually what? three. There's actually three personalities. So it's Mark Spector, uh, the Steven character, and then there's another one, I think his name is Jack, and then obviously the Moon Knight vigilante aspect so there's like four people in his brain yeah it's uh nuts and also not sure the angle they're going but i know in the comics in some of the older editions he would get stronger when the moon was full which i think is the way they're gonna go because when you go through the trailer and pause it at about 46 seconds we get our first look at kontenshu who is the egyptian god of the moon that gives Moon Knight his powers in the comics. 
Yes, I'm very excited about just that. I hope they go that route. Um, I was reading online, though. Apparently, it's not that way in the comics anymore. Apparently, he's just a dude mm-hmm. that's crazy. He's just a dude in spandex that's fucking nuts now. Um, Which I'm liking he... the the Egyptian aspect of all of this, too. I think it's a a very fun perspective for everything in terms of Marvel. And obviously, there's Egyptian connections with Kang the Conqueror. Um with one of his variants being Egyptian and Egyptian, uh, you know, deity and everything. So I like that aspect and I don't know about you, Dylan, but I'm feeling 22, the, the, just like cinematography of this trailer and seeing like, not even all, dude, all the mirrored images, the fact that they sampled day and night, the way yes. they did. Chef's beautiful kiss. chef's kiss. Uh, Hearing kid song. Cuddy. It's a good song normally, good artist mm-hmm. normally, and the way they did it with what they're showing. I just like the fact that we're stepping away from like the the Boy Scouts, the cookie cutters of yes. of Marvel, and even even DC. We just talked about it. Peacemaker is mm-hmm. not a household household name. Like P- Moon Knight, yeah, sure he's popular, but he's not. When you think of Marvel, he's not the first or second or third or fourth or fifth or sixth hero you think of. He's down the he's down the list. Like I said, right now, I don't think he even has superpowers in current, like, comic uh, Marvel. He's just a dude in spandex who thinks he's eight people at once. He'll mm-hmm. beat you, beat your ass up. Or he'll not, and just forget why he's there. I've seen panels where people are giving speeches, and he turns to Spider-Man, and he's like, wait, I zoned out. What, what's going on? Yeah, so, he, like, has visions character. of, like, teaming up with the Avengers, and they're not actually there. Yeah. Um, as, or, or he actually is doing it. Mm-hmm. You don't know. That's the way. It's. I'm glad you brought that up. That was my last point. That's the way he's written. Uh, to the viewer, the reader. Well, now we're viewing. Never fully knows like what they're seeing is real or not. Yeah. Kind of like one of Kyle. I think you've seen. You've seen Shutter Island, right? Yeah, a while ago. But yeah, I've seen. Yeah, it. it's the same. Or Inception. Yep. It's kind of both the Caprio movies. Uh, you kind of don't know what's real or what's not at the end. I mean, you kind of know, but you don't. So that's going to be a moon night. You're going to think you're, what you're watching is real, but then we could watch a whole episode of him like kicking ass, and then it could the last two minutes could be like him waking up. Yeah. With, like, Day and night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we also got our first look at Ethan Hawke's character, which if you put the closed captioning on, he is credited as Arthur Harrow, uh, which is a deep-cut Moon Knight character who only appeared in one issue of the comics, and he is that like cult leader, has some... like. Nazi Germany ties, uh, which we could see play in because we saw that when they're in that town square type situation. Yeah. Uh, you know, it seems like a cult leader who like, he kind of preaches that he has like the cure to like people getting healthy and that kind of stuff. So like, it's obvious he has a following. There's people in the background. If you pause when, uh, everybody's like Loki style, like bowing down to homeboy, uh, there's two like armed guards, like they have guns and everything. And they have like, you know, full blown. Uh, well, for all we know, um, one of Moon Knight's, one of uh, Mark or Jack or one of the personalities might join mm-hmm. in, in hopes of regretting themselves of the other personalities in their brain because said prophet, said worshiper man, you know what I mean, is spewing such lies. And at first, Dylan, when, uh, when Oscar Isaac's in the van and he's holding the gun, he's like, oh my God, like, what am I doing? Uh, I saw. Are you going with the the? Did you see bo- the box? Yeah, but it's not what we. It's think not. It is. I was like, ah, damn it. 
uh, it's there's a there's a box that says Von D on it, and uh, then when you fast forward a little bit through the the trailer, uh, it's a much longer name and it's like a cupcake type situation. Um, Darn it! <laughs> but then we get the, the look. Fazbender, Kyle. <laughs> we get the look at the pyramids in Egypt and everything, which I love. I'm a big Egyptian history stan. Um, and then we kind of get it looks like you know. Mark Spector's character kind of like figuring out like what the hell did I do to get here? He's running through like we saw in the teaser back on Disney Plus Day. Uh, I think the coolest aspect of like the Moon Knight character is seeing Oscar Isaac out in the the street and then the costume kind of just like mummifying him. I love that detail. Um, and then we see from what we saw in the teaser, there's now somebody there that Moon Knight is beating the living daylights out of in that bathroom and it looks like anubis the egyptian god of death yeah which is also a good reference to the fact that i was reading because i haven't read that many moon knight comics i'm not gonna lie lying is not cool um so i am aware though now that he apparently has died Mm -hmm. multiple times it's actually revealed people don't know how many times so it could be like 30 um, and he gets revived by this god. So regardless of whether he has superhuman strength, that's the way they're going, um, my man is literally able to be reborn, um, which is something that could be, Kyle just said it, it could be beating up death, beating death. Uh, you know, That's I, a but, good point. I didn't think of it that way, but I like that theory. Um, or or is him just fucking beating up a random person on the side of the street because he's batshit crazy? I don't know. Right. Who knows? Uh, which is why we're going to try to, cause this show drops the first episode, which I'm hoping it's going to be the first and second episode. That way it leaves May 4th open for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series for star Wars day. But if not, it'll obviously end on May 4th, but March 30th, I'm hoping to get our good friend from the comic book store in Glassboro, New Jersey, Tim Irwin, uh, hey. host of capes and scowls on our show weekly with us because he is the biggest moon Knight fan on the planet that I have ever met. And if we can get Tim on for a comic book aspect, and he's very excited for the show as well. Uh, I'm going to try to work on getting Tim on with us. Oh, on Wednesday dude, I would nights. love to have him. You, you introduced me to him years ago. When we yeah. Were back when we were at school. So um, Tim, I bought some of your comics. So I did the man. He's the one that got me back into like reading comics and everything. So uh, if we can get Tim on throughout, you know, the six episodes, I, I'm very much hoping we can do that and be a lot of fun for his perspective of yes. just the background of the character as well. I will say, for Moon Knight, my expectations for the show are not even anything that you would think. So, basically, all I want from this character is for them not to ruin it. And by that, mm-hmm. I mean this is a character that doesn't have to be involved in a lot of the other MCU plot lines. Because, from looking up Moon Knight, he randomly fucking appears in the comics. Or when there's like shit going on and like no one answers because you know, like Moon Knight sometimes, as Kyle was talking about, I'm talking about, he's kind of worthless at times. And other times, the badass. So there are times where there's, you know, some villain, whether it's A, B, or C list villain attacking and they need help. And it's like Moon Knight and like some other random hero that answered the call of Spider-Man. They're like, yo, we're here to help. And then Spider-Man's like, fuck. Like, you two. You know what I mean? Like, so my, my point is, like, because Moon Knight, and also if he truly is the, the angle they're going, batshit crazy and possibly murdering people, 
he doesn't really fit in with a lot of the Boy Scout Marvel Avengers. Like, which is why I'm excited to share this theory I have of where they're going to plug Moon Knight in terms of, quote-unquote, for lack of a better term, like team-ups and crossovers. So in the comics, Moon Knight does team up with a certain blind vigilante. Yes. Which I think Moon Knight and Daredevil teaming up would be amazing. My theory, I'm hoping I, I don't want to cut you off. Are you going to get to my boy, Mr. So then the other side of things, which I think is real possible. Is it Freddy Castle? That is theory number two. He teams up with Punisher in the comics. And then number three, in terms of a team-up event. Scooterman? Not even Spider-Man. But I, I think that could happen. But there are a few characters that we've been recently introduced to. And one that we still haven't fully been introduced to yet. But Dane Whitman, who we saw in Eternals, obviously is being set up to become the Black Knight with that sword that he sees and everything. Then the voice that speaks to Dane Whitman in that post credit scene of the Eternals is Mahershala Ali's blade. Moon Knight. Which, I can't wait for that. I'm so excited for Blade. Uh, Moon Knight. And then I believe the route they could go, because I think he's going to be a prominent character throughout Phase 5 of the MCU. Doctor Strange and Wong. And you Hell have yeah. a Marvel Midnight Suns team-up event. Okay, and if they do Midnight Suns, which I'm all aboard, I think it has to be at R. I agree. And I that, that brings my theory. My, my I was going to say this. Uh, dude... People, Kyle and I don't even plan this, and it literally is going to get like peanut butter and jelly. So my theory basically just piggybacks off of his, which it literally, it literally correlates to every character he noted. Uh, he, he noted. Um, I think D, D, not DC, Jesus Christ. I think Marvel is uh, low key. Ha, low key, get it? Sorry. Uh no. Um, <laughs> lack of sleep's getting to me. I uh, know. So I, I think that um, Marvel, Disney is testing the waters slowly and discreetly. Maybe not discreetly because, you know, projects are being released. I think they're trending in the avenue of getting more, like, PG-13+, plus and more R-rated content, mm -hmm. in my opinion. I think with all the rumors of the Punisher, I think they might even make Daredevil rated R. Like, I was reading I some comics about that. Daredevil. Daredevil is not... I would not let my little kid read that shit. Hell Daredevil, no. Daredevil is a grown-up... He is that's a big that's a that's a lot of stuff. Which I am gym. five full episodes into the Netflix Daredevil. How are you feeling about that? Dude, I did not realize episode four was the scene that everybody talks about. The hallway? <laughs> not even the hallway. The the car door. Oh. Did you get to the hallway yet though? That scene? Um I don't, I don't think you did yet. I don't think so. Oh the car door though. I love The that. car door, I was not expecting that in episode four. I said, "Holy shit! This is the scene that everyone talks about," and uh, I'm lo I love I'm loving this show. It's phenomenal. How do you like? Are you with everyone else? Like Charlie Cox is just great as he's so good. I he's forget great. he can actually. See. I forget he can see. He's amazing. Rosario Dawson's amazing. Obviously, D'Onofrio's great. That he um he's had other work turned down because he taught himself so well how to be blind. What that the he's heck? gone. He's gone and auditioned to other roles. Well, well, because notice in the show he doesn't look at people like eye contact. He's not always looking right. at you like I would. 
So when he goes, I guess when he goes and auditions, he's like, if you're the director, he's like looking to the left or to the right or like down because he's trained himself. But luckily, it seems like Marvel is going to have him in long term because he Daredevil is a very important uh, Marvel character. Mm-hmm. So, Dylan, are you uh, very are are you are you prepared for me to show you a little sum sum here uh, that I one thousand percent need to happen in Marvel Studios Moon Knight? Is it is it a, okay? Show me. I think I know what it is. Is it the random bullshit? Yes. (laughs) We had this tweeted at us uh, on release day, on Monday, obviously, when the trailer came out. And uh, if they do not release random bullshit go on us, I'll be quite upset. I I need that like I need oxygen. That is one of the funniest uh, quotes from Moon Knight, along with one that involves your boy Frank Castle. Oh, um, that's the one I want. The one where he's like, how's your dead family? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's just so good. Um, so yeah, Moon Knight, my expectations are true to roof just from this true to roof. From this trailer. Also, this is Oscar Isaac. Uh, it's his third character in a Marvel property. He was obviously Apocalypse in X-Men. Uh, he's Spider-Man 2099 and Into the Spider-Verse, and now he's going to be Moon Knight. And it's his fourth Disney one, because he's a Star Wars character. Right, he's Poe Dameron, uh, he's in Dune, he's in all the bunch of stuff. only redeeming quality about the new Star Wars movies. <laughs> Valid. Love us some Oscar Isaac. So, we will obviously be full-blown diving into Moon Knight, because Dylan and I have been very much anticipating this show it's for quite some excited. time. We're excited, and I talked about earlier how people were pissed about Boba Fett with the acting. This is a guy that if anybody says, oh, the acting, they're stupid. There's Ethan yes. Hawke and Oscar Isaac. So those are guys who are known for their acting. Oscar Isaac especially. He's been nominated for several awards. And Ethan Hawke as well. So it's like when this show drops, I'm be very excited. And if anybody speaks ill about acting, I'm going to slap them because those two guys alone can act, can out-act most rooms in Hollywood. Yeah. So this show obviously dropping on March 30th, which is when our Moon Knight breakdowns will begin. Although we do have some somber news about Moon Knight that came out today. Yeah, uh, dude. It's crazy. Very unfortunate news. Gaspard Uliel, known for uh, his roles in Hannibal Rising, and obviously he was going to be in, he's going to be in uh, Moon Knight as uh, one of the main villains. He uh, unfortunately passed away today on Wednesday, January 19th, uh, at the age of 37 from a skiing accident. And uh, we just want to send our best wishes to Gaspard's family, uh, his friends, obviously the Moon Knight cast and and everybody uh, that he's been involved with in the Hollywood space. Uh, Just somebody gone way too soon at the age of 37. And it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, such a, a freak accident happens and we lose a talented actor. So uh, sending our best to Gaspard Uliel's family and friends and everybody that he's been involved with in the Hollywood space. Just unfortunate that we uh, lost somebody so talented way too soon. Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already know. You already know.
I think that's how it always we went, goes like, like, 45 like, minutes, and we were at, like, Chelsea. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. It's unfortunate that you know, like we haven't even seen the show yet, and it's right. just sad to think that he's gone before we can even see. And uh, he's set to play one of the main villains uh, of Moon Knight, so it's going to be unfortunate that uh, we won't get to see him continue with that role. But uh, rest in peace to a, a very talented actor. Uh, and again, our thoughts and prayers with his family and friends and all of his co-workers. Uh, but Dylan, let's get into our final segment, streaming platform, multiverse news and notes around the streamerverse. First things first that we're going to talk about here is the biggest one, I'd say, of the week. Uh, this according to Deadline, our guy, Bob Pattinson, Robert hey. Pattinson, is in talks to star in Bong Joon-ho, who is obviously known for uh, the award-winning Parasite uh, that came out uh, a couple years ago and won... Uh, best picture at the Oscars. Uh, Bob Pattinson in talks to uh, star in Bong Joon-ho's new sci-fi film for Warner Brothers. And here's the synopsis, everybody. Story follows an expendable named Mickey. Ha uh, ha! A disposable employee sent to colonize the ice world of Niflheim. Uh, whenever there's a mission that's too dangerous, the crew turns to Mickey. After one iteration dies, a new body is regenerated with most of his memories intact. That's <laughs> fucking wild. Bong Juno is just an absolute menace with creativity. Yeah, those are the kind of people when you watch their movies. My voice just cracked there a little bit. You're, you're watching it and you're like, yo. Like, you say this. Obviously, I'm not saying he does drugs, but you're like, what is this guy on? Like, because where does I'm this come here, from? I'm sitting here tired, still having a good time. Uh, recording with Kyle, and I'm not thinking of that like, that shit, crazy shit. I'm thinking of my bed, my bed, and possibly a nice warm shower before I go to bed. I'm not thinking of like Absolutely areas hilarious. in which Kyle and I die and get reincarnated as carbon copies of ourselves. That's just that's just crazy. I'm not that shit me. crazy stuff. Um, so very excited. I mean, you and I talked about this before we started recording too. Robert Pattinson. And I also put Andrew Garfield in that realm as well from everything Andrew Garfield's been able to do as of late with, with obviously, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, Andrew Garfield in Spider-Man. He was obviously in Tick, Tick, Boom, and, you know, he's in talks to star in a whole bunch of new projects as well and potentially reprise his role as Spider-Man in future films. He and Robert Pattinson are having, like, the biggest career resurgences of recent memory. And... I'm here for it. Obviously, you guys know at home, real listeners of streamer season know I'm skeptical about the Batman movie, but I'm not skeptical about Robert Pattinson per se. I'm just skeptical about the uh, the plot. Um, but I mean, 
those two are, are absolute rock stars right now. And if, if they can continue this surge they're on, I'm very excited to see where things go for, for Robert Pattinson and Andrew Garfield. I mean, it's just like Wild Patterson was in The Lighthouse with William Dafoe recently. That was a good, like, weird indie movie. He was in The King with Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet? I can't pronounce his name right. That was a cool, like, mm-hmm. medieval movie. Um, he was in Tenet, Christopher Nolan movie. That's, you know, that's a big movie. Like, Christopher Nolan doesn't just cast anybody's. I'm not knocking people down. But, you know what I mean? He's a pretty big director, big-time director. He's in the Batman. He was in the movie with um, Tom Holland. Was it like the devil? He was in Harry Potter. My boy! <laughs> you do that so well. I think somewhere right now your sister was sleeping and she woke up in a cold sweat. She was like, trauma. <laughs> Cedric, where are you? I can't get over it. <laughs> like, and then obviously he was in Twilight and everything. But, I mean, Robert Pattinson... My bull, Rob, in all seriousness, he was a wizard, a vampire, and now he's going to be goddamn Batman. When when do you think, do you think it'll ever happen that Robert Pattinson ends up in Marvel? Uh, I don't know. If I, if I think he does. It's got to be the right project, obviously. Yes. I think Marvel is busy low-key trying to recruit recently canned Superman, Henry Cavell, which, and I'm all for that. Like, rub it in DC's face. Mm-hmm. Shit, I, don't, I, I hate the guy. I mean, I don't, I don't hate him, but I, I made it known I'm not a big Ben Affleck fan. I even cast Affleck in a small Marvel role. just, just As a villain. Thing. Yeah. Why As not? a Bostonian villain. As a Bostonian From villain. From Boston. No, but um, I, I could see Rob Pat maybe doing that, but I, I think I think he's enjoying Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if that does well, that might launch maybe a sequel. Um, People forget all the time in the comic world there are so many one-offs and like several editions that lead to nowhere that don't don't canonically connect like there are editions of superheroes doing crazy shit and dying that, that don't normally die um there's literally a version of batman that's batman's dad it's if thomas wayne was the one that survived and he uses guns uh it's metals metals hell it looks yeah they use pistols it's crazy um, but like that's the thing. So my point is like Rob Pat bat, 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 uh, Rob Patterson's Batman. Rob Pattinson. Rob Pattinson. Uh, I feel like that's what we should start calling him since he's Batman. Rob Pattinson. Rob Pattinson. Uh, no, I just feel like if it does well, um, it might, you know, spark a keep sequel. him locked into or, Batman. Well, long-term. and with HBO, we're seeing a lot of their projects that do well. Conveniently, they already have a TV show like lined up right after. Mm-hmm. So like, there's five, there's like four or five TV shows. I don't know if you saw this, like confirmed from the Batman movie. Mm-hmm. So that's like they're banking on it doing well, and it will do well because they're smart, and it's coming out in theaters, and then shortly after coming out on streaming. Right. So we'll see where uh, where old Bobby Pattinson and Andrew Garfield end up uh, over the next year or so. Because I think. Oh, I watched that by the way. I, I started watching the Tick Tick Boom. How'd you like it so far? Oh, it's great. That song stuck in my head. Boho Lifestyle? Yes. It's so also, good. the scene where like him and Vanessa Hudgens are just like drugging out. Oh, yeah. Out. I'm it's like, so good. She's great in that movie, too. Andrew is... Oh, he man. learned how to sing for that movie. I know. That's incredible in itself. Which, if he wants to do more musicals, which it's rumored that he does, let him do it. Because he is phenomenal. He didn't sound uh, bad at all. 
big fan. And that, that was his first one. So you got to yeah. think if he keeps up with the singing practice and practicing in movies and plays and stuff of that nature, then he's going to get even better. Shout out to Lin-Manuel Miranda for teaching Andrew Garfield how to sing. Uh, Dylan, we got our, our official name for a series that you are very skeptical about for obvious reasons. Uh, Amazon's Lord of the Rings series is officially titled The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, premiering September 2nd on Amazon Prime. Because I'm the channel, I'm going to look at the direction that he's in right now. Matt Castrina, you can hear me in thought. Tell the Lord of the Rings stand. There's no replicating the success that was Lord of the Rings. The Hobbit tried, and it crashed and burned. It still did well, box office-wise, but it, 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 I read I read The Hobbit. I've read Lord of the Rings. I've seen Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings, whether you like it or not, I know you're not the biggest Lord of the Rings guy. Have you even seen them? No. We'll have to change that. Uh, I won't force you, but we'll do it You know, over the summer or something. Um, or soon. Who, who knows? My point is, like, they are great it's kind of like Harry Potter, right? Everyone knows the books are better. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. But most people who read the books don't mind the movies. Am I correct in that thought? It's a, 100%. It's, a, it's the same thing with Lord of the Rings. Like, the books are awesome, and but they're fucking hard to read, by the way. It's just long. Um, but, like, the movies are great adaptations of the books because each movie is god darn three hours long. So they cram in a bunch of key components. And I don't know, the show is kind of like ad-libbing in a sense where it's going off of like the lore and going way early. Yeah, it's like prequel time. almost. Yeah, so they're gonna, there's going to be a little like wiggle room for creativity. And that happened in Game of Thrones towards the end when the show surpassed the books. And that wiggle room and creativity fucking sucked. So, and I'm... So that's my fear at the Lord of the Rings. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they might wiggle their way into making it not feel like Lord of the Rings. And I, I might... will say, because the books are done for Lord of the Rings, I think yeah. that helps. I think that's a positive for them. Well, it helps in the sense where they can't do anything crazy because right. this is happening years before, years and years before, and we know you have what to build happens. to something. Like we know what happens at the end. We've seen it. You know what I mean? We've mm-hmm. seen the conclusion of like the the arc of right. the history of Lord of the Rings of Middle Earth. Um so I'm excited. Kyle, I just watched the video with him before the show, but like very skeptical. Like uh what sleeping with one eye open kind of skeptical of the show. Yeah. Um but it just I'm going to have to get – this is my mission now. I'm going to have to get Kyle to watch Lord of the Rings. And he might not even, like, like it that much, but I guarantee you – I'll probably end up watching it so we can watch the show and everything. Not not even that. I guarantee you you will enjoy – the films hold up so well. He's going to – it's a masterpiece. And now they're on HBO Max, so it's easily accessible. Yeah. Uh, before we get into our fun – not exactly streaming platform news, but adjacent news, uh, Culture Crave tweeted this out, Dylan – the 10 highest grossing films at the worldwide box office. Can you name the 10? 10 highest? Like ever? Yeah, the 10 highest grossing films at the worldwide box office of all time. Avengers Endgame? So Avengers Endgame is number two on the list. Okay. Is Titanic still up there? Titanic is number three on the list. And I'll give you the, the money as well. Avengers Endgame, $2.79 billion. Titanic, $2.2 billion. Inception? No. I thought that was up there. Mm. Oh, Avatar. Avatar is number one at 2.84 billion. Dude, I guess the top three. I don't even care anymore. Baller status. Um, 
if I was playing the prices right, baby, I'm good. <laughs> uh, no, um, I'm trying to think. Is there any other Marvel entities? On that yes. List? Civil War? No. Oh, no, 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 no. Black Panther. Uh, no. Wow. Oh, I guess, well, there's two parts of the the end game, right? Yes, Infinity War is uh, number f- five on the list at $2.04 billion. I'm, I'm looking right in Kyle's eyes. My hands are here. I'm not cheating. So, like, I'm trying to go off the... I, 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 mean, I guess four out of... I guess literally the top Four three out of the top five. five. So, number um, four... Do you want me to list them off for you? Yeah, just give me okay. So give me number, give me number four at least. Number four is uh, I think you might be surprised by this, but it doesn't really surprise me just because of the ramifications of it. Yeah, uh, clocking in at two point zero six billion, so just at number four. Yeah, twenty fifteen's Star Wars: The Force Awakens. <laughs> that doesn't shock me that much. I think Episode Seven's the best of the three sequels. And it doesn't shock me because of like everything that they brought back. It was the revival of Star Wars, so box office wise, it makes sense that it's there. Okay, is a, is a Harry Potter movie on this list? No, surprisingly. Okay, what is what is, what is six? Number six is also from 2015, clocking in at 1.66 billion. Jurassic World. Bah! I knew I was missing another big franchise. <laughs> okay, what's seven? Number seven is 2019's. Uh, Clocking in at one point six five billion, twenty nineteen's uh, live action, The Lion King. I didn't even see that. Uh, Me either. Next. Which next. I'm surprised that that's on this list. Next. But knowing the voice actors that are on it and the hype that it got, I can understand it. Uh, number eight, clocking in at one point six two billion, twenty twenty ones. Spider Man No Way Home. Wow! Already top ten. It's gonna it's gonna probably creep up more. Probably. It's just behind The Lion King and just behind Jurassic World, so it still has time. Uh, number nine, clocking in at $1.51 billion, 2015's Fast and Furious 7. Oh! Disgusting. Oh! Oh, my God. The fact that Star Wars is... Okay, what's the last one? And then clocking in at number 10, 2012. We're going all the way back a decade. At one point five one billion as well, so oh, a really nice little tie. I think I know what this is now too. The Avengers. Duh. Wow! Holy shit! So Marvel? it's Avatar, Avengers: Endgame, Titanic, For, Star so, Wars: The Force Awakens, Avengers: Infinity War, so Jurassic World, Disney. Lion King, Spider-Man: No Way Home, Fast Seven, and Avengers. So Disney, some dinosaurs, uh, family, cars, <laughs> and the boat, and blue people. <laughs> And the boat. No, and well, they, they own Avatar. Yeah. So, that's what I'm saying. Like, they own <laughs> it's Star Wars, Avatar, Marvel. Uh, crazy no. list. Crazy. That's I did not expect that. That was a great way to end the show. Holy crap. And then, fun little way to end the show. Obviously, this is streaming platform adjacent, but one of Dylan and I's favorite actors on January 29th will be hosting Saturday Night Live. One Willem Dafoe. The Green Goblin in himself, surprisingly, for the very first time, hosting SNL. That yes. kind of surprised me that it, like it's taken this long, but I am so excited to see Willem Dafoe in a comedy sphere of SNL, and I think he's going to knock it out of the park, and Katy Perry is the musical act. If, uh, he, if he says, I'm a bit of a scientist myself. 
you know it's gonna happen. It's gotta happen. I think that and do you know how much I sacrificed? This is my company. Um also it's fun fact that uh Toby was the same age as in this new Spider Man as Defoe was in their Mm. initial Spider Man together. Um and also just one little tidbit. You said favorite actors. So I thought of Defoe, but my favorite actor of all time is Michael Jim Fassbender. <laughs> no, well, yeah, recently. But no, Jim Carrey <laughs> is number one, always and forever. Yes. And it was his birthday the other day. So yes. I, recently, I recently watched a Jim Carrey movie, and I just had to put that out there. What is your favorite Jim Carrey movie? I would say, in no order, but like top three, it's probably The Truman Show. Okay. Um... But what's the other one? I always oh, it's the lawyer one. I can't think of the name. Was it lawyer? Was he? Uh, Big Fat Liar. Winter? Big Fat Liar. Right? Oh yeah, liar, 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 liar. Yeah. So those two are number like number one and two or two and one. Um, and then the third one kind of changes because like sometimes I love Yes Man, but other times I hate that film. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ace Ventura is a classic. So, but I'll say Bruce Almighty. Good one. Mine are mine are very like off the radar. I'd say for Ooh, Jim well, like Carrey, the mask too. The mask is obviously in there for me. I love the mask. Uh, Ace Ventura is great. I love Jim Carrey in the 2004 Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events movies. Count Olaf. <laughs> he was phenomenal. And like everybody read Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, like A Series of Unfortunate Events was my book series growing up. I loved those books. I thought he was a slam dunk rock star in that movie. Uh, he's obviously phenomenal. Like, one of his best roles, in my opinion, in Batman Forever. Uh, oh! The Riddler. What? Okay, I, re- I resend <laughs> I'm going to go with that one. Uh, Dumb and Dumber. Wait, that's the one that has... Uh, what's his face? His Two-Face, right? Uh, she... What's his name? Old guy. He's in, uh, in the Volcano. Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, there you go. Oof. Thanks. Yeah, that was Val Kilmer's Batman. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Bad. I think he was an okay bad. I mean, he's better than George Clooney. Yeah, with the nipples on the suit and the bat card. Nipple radars. And the bat credit card. <laughs> uh, Ace Ventura is great. Uh, he was in, obviously in Anchorman 2. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't counting like that kind of stuff because yeah. he's like a minor. It's the same thing. Like he's in Kick Ass, but he's not like mm-hmm. that. Eternal Sunshine is phenomenal. If you haven't watched that, do that. Um, Apparently, he's Eggman in the Sonic movie now. He's actually really good in that role too. I need to um, watch that movie just for the yeah. Movie. He's he's really good in that role. He was in a Christmas Carol. I was like Jim Carrey's. He's the Grinch. A goat. The Grinch obviously is fantastic. He is the modern day Charlie Chaplin in terms of facial. I expression. love that comp. And it's a comp that's not. Brought up enough. A lot, a lot, a lot of people. Yeah, well, it needs to pop a lot more. But people like I took an acting class in college, and that was like one of our prompts. Like I wanted to write it, but it was like an example prompt, and it was literally comparing him to Charlie Chaplin. And then we had to watch like old school acting because it didn't like have sound and it wasn't colored. So the audience or the well, yeah, the audience relied on seeing the actor demonstrate facial Ooh, expressions like and. Which Jim Carrey makes all kinds of fantastic, yeah. So that's why I like the the uh, combination of the two. So happy birthday to the goat! I think he's one of the best to ever do it, Uh, comedy wise, acting wise. He's he's definitely in 
goat territory. He's able to been able to stay relevant for so long when a lot of comedy guys fall off. Mm-hmm. Like Adam Sandler's still relevant, but I'll be honest, Adam Sandler does not slap the way he used to. Jim Carrey is still that guy. He's still that guy and always has been that guy. So shout out to the goat. Happy birthday to Jim Carrey. Uh, Dylan and I will definitely be doing a review of Willem Dafoe's uh, Saturday Night Live appearance as well. Uh, that won't come for a couple weeks, but uh, very excited for things coming on this show. We got a lot planned uh, over the next couple weeks, and you know, with everything with Book of Boba Fett, Peacemaker, everything in between. That's why you got to follow us on the social medias, everybody, at Streamer S Z N on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Instagram stuff will be coming back very soon. Trust us, promise you. Uh, also, if you're looking for an internship, we are still accepting intern applications. Uh, so hit us up. It's on our website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, uh, or DM us if you need the application. We are more than happy to send it your way. Uh, but follow us on social, streamer SZN. Follow Dylan at Dylan Mazzola. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Follow the network at undergroundPHI. Like I said, check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. And subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast feed. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews uh, with recommendations of shows and movies to watch, how you're feeling about the Book of Boba Fett, how you feel about Peacemaker, your excitement, your anticipation, your you know expectations for Moon Knight, uh, and anything else in between that comes to mind. Leave it in the podcast reviews on Apple, uh, and it really helps more people find the show and and helps us you know reach a, a bigger, vaster audience and grow this fun little community we're building uh, here on Streamer Season. Five stars only, though, because we have standards. We know you do, too, and we know they're five stars. Also, leave those five-star ratings on Spotify. Blow up our Spotify ratings with five-star ratings because that goes a long way as well in terms of more and more people finding the show. Uh, And like Dylan said last week, we are currently at 23 five-star ratings and reviews. Once we get to 50, we'll determine something fun like we did before when Dylan bought a lightsaber. Hell, yeah. Uh, And keep telling us what you want us to watch. Um... We got a recommendation this week. Yeah. A co-worker of mine who listens in, an esteemed colleague, mm, yes, quite, mm, uh, indubitably. Me, he t- texted me and let me know of a couple of recommendations, and we appreciate the support and appreciate his listening. So, like, anybody, if you have, if you, if you, if you know us in real life and have our numbers, you can text like he did. If you don't, you can DM me or DM Kyle on Twitter. If not, you can at, also at the account on Twitter. You can leave it in your review, etc., etc. Let us know. I'm always down to watch some tv i'll, I'll take a day off soon hopefully <laughs> just binge watch shows let me exactly let me know. so let us know uh recommendations on that front and of course uh big thank you to our sponsors the homies the boys over at tomahawk shades use our promo code usp for 25 percent off at checkout at tomahawkshades.com that works on the sunglasses blue light glasses everything in between tomahawkshades.com promo code usp at checkout, stateside Urban Craft Vodka, get the vodka soda party packs, the Surfside iced teas, all that good stuff at statesidevodka.com. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. Our friends at Kenwood Beer, go to kenwoodbeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker to see who's got Kenwood on tap in the Philadelphia area. It is Dylan's drink of choice when he's watching Peacemaker. Yeah. Uh, you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And linked in the description is our link to Bino Boards. Click that, John. Support the show. Use our link to purchase all your good stuff at Bino Boards uh, and help support the show. 
And uh, we will be back next week talking Book of Boba Fett Episode 5, Peacemaker Episode 4, and whatever the hell else comes out across the streaming platform multiverse and potentially some new stuff. I might have an update on Season 1 of Daredevil by that time. Who knows? Now that football season's over, I have time to watch things even more than I did before. So uh, this has been another episode of Streamer Season, the exclusive TV and movie podcast on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. For Dylan, I'm KB, and until next week, keep on bounty hunting. Defender.